Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, it's Doomsday Podcast. Ed Werder from Tampa. And uh, just not long after, Cowboys pull out this 31-14 dominating fashion. They get it done on the road in advance. And Ed... Uh, we all wondered after last week and how bad it felt after that watch the Commanders game, twenty six to six. This was a whole different uh, animal. Uh, history was made on kind of both ends. You got you possibly had Tom Brady's uh, last game ever as he trots off the field, and Dak probably his finest moment ever. And Ed, you're always great at putting things in historical perspective, but this <laughs> Dak. Uh, this Dak performance ranked right up there with some of the uh, all-time greats, talking about Aikman and Stallback, and in some ways, when you include the running touchdown, surpass them. Yeah, um, you know, I think going into the game, you know, I spent a lot of time at, at the Star during the week. I was out at the stadium today at noon, so I saw the teams arrive and begin their warm-ups and stuff, and the thing I kept reporting, kind of the theme I had through the week was, you know, Dak, Dak recognized what an important game this was to him for his career. Um, to, to create some kind of record of credibility in the postseason was important to him. You know, he was one in three in the postseason coming into this game, which was the same record Tony Romo had. So now he's got a better record than Tony Romo finished with in the postseason. He's done something no quarterback since Troy Aikman in 1992 did, uh, and that's win a postseason road game. And he did it, as you suggested, in uh, historic fashion. He's only the second player in NFL postseason history with four touchdown passes, a rushing touchdown, and a 75% completion percentage in a game. It's him and Peyton Manning in the 2004 wild card round when he was uh, playing against the Broncos for the Colts. Um, it was his, his QBR of 96.5, which is a metric that ESPN created. Uh, to measure a lot of things not covered by passing efficiency, incorporates the quarterback's run, run ability and so forth. Anyway, third highest by a starting quarterback in a wild card game uh, behind only Josh Allen and the guy who ruins it all, Tim Tebow, against Pittsburgh. But uh, <laughs> he did have that overtime touchdown pass against the number one defense in football in that game. But yeah, it was a magnificent performance by uh, by Dak. And I thought, I thought it was interesting that, you know, being out there talking to McCarthy and the coaches, you got a very clear sense that they were shaken by what happened last week in Washington and how poorly uh, the quarterback had played in that game. And they felt like he had gone through his reads too fast. 
his feet were too active when he was in the pocket and he was just kind of, you know, at a rhythm and a little disoriented. And so they made a big deal out of trying to get him some easy throws in the first three, in the first series that he, he went incomplete on all three of them. Uh, there were supposed to be easy throws to get him confident in the game. Uh, instead, he misses all of them. They punt twice. I think they went three and out to start yeah. the game. But fortunately, the defense was up to the task and forced the same out of Brady. And then Dak kind of just took over the game. But, you know, I think the other thing that was most impressive in watching um, Dak in this game was it, it almost looked like pre-injury Dak. Like this was the athletic, mobile, dual threat Dak that we hadn't seen since he broke his leg and dislocated his ankle in in 2020. Um, you know, he was running the football, diving for first downs, you know, moving the pocket, extending plays. I just thought, yeah, I think it was absolutely the best game I've ever seen him play. All right. Much more to come on Dak and uh, the Cowboys in what was a breakthrough win. And um, it uh, they're going to get another crack at, at San Francisco. So got another crack at Brady. Brady, if he does finish his career, will finish 7-1 and one against the Dallas Cowboys. So big breakthrough there. And um, we've got a lot more to get into. Frito of Frito Nation Productions, please play the music. All right, Ed Werder, uh, who has been talking to uh, Dak and um, other players working uh, long hours today for ESPN. This is in the aftermath, 31-14 victory for the Cowboys. And, Ed, it, it's kind of amazing. I mean, it was dominating. Uh, and I think it would have felt better to the Cowboys fans had they not, like, seen what happened to San Diego the other night after having a 27 nothing lead. So I don't think anybody felt completely safe, even though it was 18 nothing. But now that we know how it all played out, Looking back at Tom Brady throwing that ball, uh, that that weird interception, I mean, completely unlike him. They had just made a comment on the broadcast about how he doesn't, you know, turn the ball, throw interceptions in the red zone. And lo and behold, Jaron Curse, look what I found in the back of the end zone. Ed, it was, it was good night nurse after that play. It was kind of like, well, they had their one little shot to be in this ball game, and then the Cowboys closed the door on them shortly afterwards. Well, you know, Tom, Tom Brady is really all that, that the Buccaneers have had all year. He set, you know, an NFL record as a 45-year-old starting quarterback, starting every game, throwing more passes, completing more passes than any quarterback in the history of football. Um, and, the, and the one thing he's done since he came to the Bucs better than anything is avoid that kind of mistake. It almost looked, it looked to me like he was trying to throw the ball out of the end zone and, and didn't get it done. And J. Ron Curse, who's extraordinary, extraordinarily tall for a defensive back, you know, leaped up and picked it off. And what a huge moment it was because the Cowboys turned around, went down and scored a touchdown off that. So when it looked like the Bucs might actually go up 7-6 because Brett Maher missed the extra point attempt following the first touchdown, I'll have a lot more about that in a minute, by the way. That was also a historic performance by Brett Maher. Um of the undesirable kind, but the, instead the Cowboys are up 12, nothing instead of possibly being down seven, six. So I thought that really flipped the game and, and you're right. That was Brady's first interception um, in the red zone 
in three years as a Bucs quarterback. 86 touchdowns, no picks, not in the red zone. Now, this wasn't just in the red zone. This was a first and goal at the five, and the ball was in the end zone, not just the red zone. So it was uh, compounded the mistake just that much more. And I thought that really, you know, kind of flipped the game. And then the defense kind of took over and Brady winds up throwing 66 passes in the game, um, you know, under a lot of pressure. But yeah, I mean, that was certainly a pivotal moment. And, you know, Mike McCarthy commented that the defense, in his opinion, you know, they dominated the game from the time everybody got off the bus this afternoon um, mm-hmm. at the stadium. So a great performance by the, the Cowboys defense. I think Micah Parsons set a record for uh, creating pressures on Brady. Uh, I think he had nine in the game. Uh, Brady under pressure was not good as he's not been all season long. So, you know, Dan Quinn, I thought, did a great job with his defensive game plan. I know one of the things he wanted to do was create some disguise, and he wanted to use Micah Parsons' versatility more than he had in the past two months. He only had like 19 snaps at linebacker the past eight weeks combined. And so I know that 15, 20% of the plays tonight, um, Dan Quinn wanted the Bucks to have to find Micah Parsons, that he wasn't just necessarily going to be lined up uh, as an edge rusher. Sometimes he was going to be coming off the ball as a linebacker. And they feel as a coaching staff, like that's when he can most affect the game overall is when he's playing both positions. Well, and I think having Vander Esch back, we didn't know, you know, how big impact that would be. Um, they he made some really good plays. He's he's always been pretty good against the run, but even in coverage, he was dropping back late in the game. Boy, he had a punishing hit. He and he was going for the ball right across the middle. I think that was Brait that they were trying to fit one into. Um, right across the board, Ed. I mean, I, I I would say when you're thinking about the defense and that overall performance, the only thing you would be, um, you know a little bit concerned about, of course, Rhodes comes in and and gets his first playing time and really got beat on a deep ball, and, and Tom Brady just overshot his uh, receiver Mike by Evans, a little bit. Mike, Mike Evans, Evans late in the game, yeah. 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 And Deron Bland, who you know they trusted, you know he got beat for a touchdown by Julio Jones up the boundary. And I think going into the game, that was the thing that concerned the Cowboys the most was – you know, the Bucs had been getting healthy at wide receiver. Julio Jones been practicing for the last three weeks kind of quietly. Uh, and, and this was what Tom Brady played the whole season for. You know, he didn't care what they did during the season. He just wanted to make the playoffs. And then I think once he gets to the postseason, he thinks he's the best guy and he's got the best shot because of his record, his history, seven Super Bowl rings. And this was a 14th straight time that he made the playoffs. And we talk about the Cowboys and McCarthy making it back-to-back for the first time in 15 years. Tom Brady's been in the playoffs for 14 straight years as a quarterback. Um, and they were certainly, the Cowboys were concerned about only really having two corners that they trusted and knowing that the Bucs had four you know, outstanding receivers for Tom Brady if this protection could hold up. And fortunately for the Cowboys, uh, that's not what happened. Uh, I was a little concerned just evaluating the defensive play that you know, Trayvon Diggs did not seem to tackle well. Uh, there were a couple of plays when the game was still in doubt where, you know, he could have made a stop short of the first down sticks and failed to do so. Kind of went back to his old habits, I thought. I thought he'd been a good tackler most of the season. You know, he was not tonight. He's going to have to get right next week because the 49ers 
um, are the best team in football run after the catch. They're going to have to tackle well next week. Yeah, and I, I know one play you're talking about, the uh, running back for Tampa Bay got him out in space, and boy, he looked bad. They put a move on him, and he just wasn't he wasn't able to get the play, you know, get, get it done. But most of the defense, I would say, especially the front, even with some injuries, uh, Dorrance Armstrong was in and out of the game, but he, he makes a big play in the game. You know, he the Odigizua, Parsons, the whole defensive line, and you know, before the game it was announced, uh, obviously Hankins was active, and they they you know brought him back um, up off off injury, and they you know Bohanna was inactive, and Gallimore was inactive, and I think that was very telling, Ed, and I know you noted that that uh, you know what they thought of the uh, Bucks run. They knew that the Bucks right. just weren't going to do that, and they haven't done it. And there were even reports, by the way, after the game, apparently Tampa may w- w- prefer a more balanced attack moving forward because um, uh, there are reports that their offensive coordinator, Byron Leftwich, is in trouble uh, following this game. So it was a, uh, they finished eight and 10, and um, it was, uh, it was, uh, you know, quite a, uh, Quite a performance by the Cowboys. I do want to say real quick, Ed, Marable Homes, family-owned, custom home builder, building timeless classic homes in the Dallas area and down there at Cedar Creek Lake, also in Preston Hollow. I was just looking at D Magazine, and boy, some gorgeous homes going up. Passionate about what they do. Great experience for clients. And they just, it's a huge word-of-mouth deal. And, um... And also, hey, the Doomsday Podcast, more and more people finding out about them. Find out more and look at some of these homes that are going up. Uh, MarableHomes.com. Also, Lakeside Roofing. Boy, they're involved with Marable Homes as well, serving the DFW Metroplex with the highest quality roofing products. Paired with the highest quality workmanship, Lakeside Roofing Company, LakesideRoofCo.com. Now, Ed, back to Dak. I mean, you're right. He's kind of Aikman's commenting early in the game. Boy, he looks jittery. He just looks. The ball's coming out of there a little weird. Um, it, it, it was like, oh my gosh, this. I don't think we're going to see a better Dak. And then, boy, once he snapped in, and I'm thinking of one of those throws, Ed. He he got one to gallop, maybe over there on the sideline. And it was kind of like, hey. Maybe that kind of settled things down. I also think there's something about Dak, and I think you've brought this up before in the past, but when he gets out and runs and, you know, when that's part of his game, man, it almost seems to kick him into gear. And, fi- you know, he finds his rhythm. And quite honestly, the two best quarterbacks of Super Wild Card Weekend uh, were from the NFC East, uh, Daniel Jones and Dak Prescott with the way they both played. Yeah, Dak used to say, you know, when he first came into the league that he liked to be physical because he thought it it had a positive effect on his teammates and their intensity level would go up when they saw him make a play and lower his shoulder and take people on. And, and he did that tonight. I mean, he dove for a first down. Um, and I think he's at his best when he's playing that way. And I, I got to give I think we you know, Kellen Moore gets a lot of criticism. Um, but I thought he showed great imagination in the red zone today. I mean, that one series before Dak ran that fourth down naked bootleg for a touchdown, I think it was their third touchdown of the game. 
You know, they had Dak Prescott as a lead blocker on a Tony Pollard run. They pulled Jason Peters, you know, a 40-year-old left tackle, pulled to the right on a Pollard run before that to get down close to the goal line. Um, I think that play was brought back because of a holding penalty. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought Dak's athleticism was tremendous in this game. And, you know, coming off the game last week, you know, I remember Troy talked during the week about, you know, hey, Dak, just he didn't look confident. He didn't look like it was seeing the field well. Didn't look like the game slowed down for him. Some of the things we talked about uh, last week on the Doomsday podcast. And yet tonight he comes out and his, he had one off-target pass. And it was an overthrow on his last attempt of the game. That's the, his 3% off-target percentage is the lowest for any game in his career. And he was eight for nine with three touchdown passes on throws that traveled at least 10 yards downfield in the air that tied for his most in a game this season. Um, and, you know, previously he'd struggled in week one on the deep ball against the Bucs, who held him to three points season low uh, in the opening in the open season opener when Dak got, left the game injured with the thumb injury. Um, and then, then to the point I made earlier about, you know, how much they they put into with the investment they made in getting him off to a good start and how terribly that went. Dak Prescott on his first two drives was 0 for 3 with a sack. The rest of the game, he was 25 for 30, 305 yards and four touchdowns. So a remarkable turnaround. And, and mentioning, you know, Kellen Moore in the red zone, the Cowboys are four for four tonight scoring touchdowns in the red zone. That's gives that, that moves them up to 73.3% in the red zone this season, including playoffs. That's the best in the NFL. Man, that is uh, that is impressive. And Ed, that that fake that uh, on the uh, on the one the naked that he ran in for the right. touchdown. I mean, he he faked everybody out. I mean, it just there was almost no way. You know the the defensive end on that side of the field, number fifty two, I believe it was, or maybe it was Levante that, David. Yeah, I I, th- I thought it was somebody else, but fi- fifty two was the one. Anyway, Levante was over there, but boy, they bit hard on the fake, and then he just had it easy. And Ed, if somebody had stayed at home, he had the uh, tight end in the end zone, or he had a, he had another outlet. That was a, I mean, it was just a great. He really functions well when he runs, as we were talking yeah. about, and um, and I think it does bring a different dynamic. And, Ed, it was also kind of fun to see, you know, McCarthy. Um, I don't know if you've seen some of the footage after the game. Uh, there are some, uh, there's some uh, pictures of McCarthy doing a little dance. They put the, um, that chain on him, um, and he was presented with the big chain, and then he did a really powerful dance moves. So I, you have to feel good for Mike McCarthy, who – it was, you know, is almost constantly been asked about his future. Even when they win twelve games, it doesn't. He doesn't seem that secure. And um, and I and I think uh, everybody was feeling good, except for Ed. What you brought up earlier, um, Maher decides to just completely lose it tonight. And uh, you can call it yips, you can call it whatever you want. It led Aikman at some point to say Cowboys may be looking for a new kicker this week. Four. Wow. I mean, that's amazing what happened to him in missing four consecutive extra points. Well, and he missed he missed his one attempt last week too. Uh, so he really missed five in a row. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, so we deliberating the post-game sidebar and ultimately decided to do it on Brett Maher. I caught a little grief from McCarthy for bringing, for asking, daring to ask him a question about his kicker after the game was over. But, you know, I mean, the Cowboys executed a near perfection in their first road victory 30 years to the date from right now. It was 30 years ago today in San Francisco at Candlestick Park in the winning locker room that Jimmy Johnson bellowed, how about them Cowboys? And that was the last time until tonight that the Cowboys won a postseason road game. And, you know, Dak Prescott outplayed Tom Brady easily. And yet every touchdown that Dak scored was followed by a Brett Maher missed extra point, at least through their first four touchdowns. And listen to, listen to this. Maher is the first kicker in NFL history to miss four extra points in a single game. That encompasses, listen to this, 16,207 games since 1932 when NFL statistics were first compiled. And we all saw the video. Prescott uh, you know, showed his frustration at one point, slamming his helmet on the sideline and screaming at the Cowboys to go for two. Um, but you know, the, the kicker that they've named, nicknamed Money Maher, made his fifth attempt. Uh, and, and Dak and others were certainly supportive after the game. In fact, when I asked Prescott about uh, the Maher situation, he said, heck, you know, I played like shit a week ago. So, I mean, that happens. Uh, but he says, knowing what this guy has done, his resiliency shown throughout his career, he said, I have no doubt he'll come back next week and be perfect. And, um, you know, Maher really was kind of at a loss to explain it. He was asked if it was a psychological issue. And he said, well, in hindsight, it's easy, easy to go there. Um, he said, I just didn't hit the ball well, but he thought he did say he had a clean operation. So he wasn't blaming, you know, his holder or the snapper. Um, and, and McCarthy said that the Cowboys are not going to seek replacements uh, this week for Maher, not on a short week before they play at San Francisco in a divisional playoff game. But again, they're going to be, be playing outside in potentially difficult conditions and against the 49ers defense. That's allowed the fewest points in the league this season, so that makes every point the Cowboys can score mm -hmm. that much more valuable, whether it's an extra point or a field goal. Yeah, and by the way, it led the when he missed the one, the third one of the half that <laughs> that Peyton Manning jumped up and started screaming, "Why are we kicking? Why are we still kicking?" It was very funny. What was? Oh, going I think on? they had a. I think they had a substantial enough lead that McCarthy was trying to get him to work his way out of it. <laughs> so they didn't have to deal with having a kicker in a slump and a psychological disaster, uh, you know, with only five days to get ready to play well, the, the I mean, 49ers. If you think about it, it's kind of like Dak. Looking back in hindsight, they should have had Dak out at halftime of that Washington game, but they kept him in there to try to find his rhythm. It's like the exactly. same thing with that kicker. They just kept him. I think probably you need to think about using a roster spot on just an extra point kicker. And let Maher still kick the long ones, but just bring somebody in to <laughs> Well, it's so weird. Like, he was 50 out of 52 on the season till last week when he missed. 50 out of 52. Virtually flawless. Now, all of a sudden, he's got five misses in two weeks. Yeah, it it uh, <clears throat> it happens to us in golf, Ed. Um, may have happened to me at one point, and uh, it, it happens to NFL kickers as well. Right. All right. Well, I think I said, I think I tweeted at one point when Maher was going through this. I said, 
what Maher's doing with his leg reminds me of my work with my wedge. <laughs> <laughs> you remember in Tin Cup when he when he got the yips on the driving range and some, the, his caddy said something like you're hitting you're hitting chili peppers up Lee Jansen's ass. <laughs> well, now we've both used the profanity. We haven't even gotten to stretch yet. I know. I know. You're not going to believe what stretch has to say. Let's do that right now as we um, we have our conversation with um, Cowboys uh, former scout and coach Glenn Stretch Smith. It is Stretch Plays with Glenn Stretch Smith, former Cowboys scout and coach. And Stretch, we have documented some of uh, Dak's uh, uh, issues over the past few weeks and turning the ball over, and we wondered what Dak would show up. And it was kind of humorous to to look at those first two, you know, two drives, and you're like, oh, my gosh, this is, this is awful. Three and out, three and out. And then once he found it, Troy Aikman, who you know very well, called it the, the best game of Dak's career. I mean that that was a that was a remarkable performance in a big moment stretch. Yeah, I mean I don't know that I can disagree with that. I mean when you think about really the way this guy was playing almost the last month of the season, you saw that effort in Washington. I, there's no possible way that I would have imagined that he would have come out and played the way he did. I mean. I've been very critical of him, and right now I have to do nothing except give him a ton of credit. I mean, a ton of credit because this guy had the pressure of, you know, really a whole town on him. And to do what he did tonight versus an eight-man front all night long where Tampa just said, we are going to make – Dak Prescott beat us. We are not going to allow you to run the football. We're, I mean, they were in they were in bare front. They were in six two front. I mean, they were stacking it up in there, and they made that that they they played the hand that they felt like gave them the best chance to win, which was we're going to cause or, or we're going to you know we're going to make this quarterback beat us. And that is exactly what he did. I mean, <clears throat> late in the game, they brought both safeties, and he saw it. I mean, as good as I've ever seen him see the field, I have to absolutely say I believe it's his best game of his career. Um, when you saw how he was in complete control of the offense, you saw how he was moving the football, <clears throat> you saw his eyes working. Uh, moving the safeties, um, I mean, very, very impressive. And, again, I think you guys know I've been as critical of him as maybe anybody in this town. And to see him do what he did tonight, I mean, I, I can't do anything except tip my hat and and, and, and give him an A-plus because that's as good as I've ever seen uh, Dak Prescott play. I mean, I, I you just have to give him that and – um, he had a good game plan. I mean, I think Kellen Moore did a hell of a job, even on that fourth down where I was shocked they snapped that ball on fourth down. And then they ran 
trips to the left and ran number three on the, he, he ran on the wheel and they lost him out there. And it was an easy touchdown, but thinking about how, how he did it with his legs, with his arm, with his eyes and with complete control of his offense when Tampa was absolutely selling out to stop the run. I, I, I mean, again, it, it's the best performance by far that I've ever seen him uh, uh, put out there. And I'm, I'm glad for him. I'm glad for Mike McCarthy. I'm glad for Kellen Moore because I thought that what you saw tonight was what the Dallas Cowboys can do, which is they can beat any team in the league if you know if they don't turn the football over and they do the things that you saw him do tonight, which was you know take what the defense gave him, stick it on his you know stick it on his tight ends, hit the slants when he needed to hit the slants, and then take a few shots. So uh, I mean, it, it was an all around unbelievable effort, and and uh, you know what, I, I I can do nothing except send just tons of praise to him. It was. Um... You know, it, it just to see the Cowboys just destroy them and and give Brady so many problems, and obviously had that thirty-one fourteen lead, um, or or even what thirty-one to six at one point, and and they finally scored a little bit at the end, and then got the onside kick. But the throw that sort of lets you know that boy Dak was feeling it, and you think about some of those poor decisions that he's made. And we saw other quarterbacks on Super Wildcard Weekend make some poor decisions. But rolling to his left, Aikman said, you know, he, he needs to throw this away. And he rips that thing back across his body to Schultz, who stretch when, when he's on and in a rhythm, it seems like it's, it's you know, Schultz and Dak have a really good uh, and Ferguson had that big play. So, I mean, that leads into talking about the receivers and the tight ends, but boy, Schultz and Dak were on the same page in this game. Yeah, and they, and, and, and they do. They've got a feel for one another. There's a really good chemistry there. You made mention of the, the big catch that Ferguson made. I mean, I like what I like, too, about not only the tight ends, but the backs when they caught the ball out of the backfield. The receivers, whether it was CD or or, or Noah Gallup, uh, and, and and even Ty, you know, they were taking they were catching the football and going north and south and sticking it up in there. I thought that was to me, this was a football team and an offense who was completely dialed in. And I'm saying that because I believe the offensive line played very well. They protected very well. And uh, even when you saw Peters get hurt, they had to bring McGovern back in, Chip Smith outside. That uh, They did a great job of protecting the quarterback. And Tampa was, you know, really was blitzing the crap out of them. But they did a great job of, t- at times, we used to call a solid protection when we turned the guy loose on the edge. And when they were turning that guy loose on the edge – Dak was seeing it, and the ball was out. It really was. Offensively, it was as impressive as anything I've seen, and I and I was very adamant that this team was going to have to run the football in order to win the game, and they kept kind of hammering it in there some. I like some of the things that they did with the toss 
and trying to get the ball out on the uh, out on the perimeter because of the way that Tampa and Vita Vea or Vita Vea, whatever, he's so thick that how he can how he can really eat up the inside your inside three guys. Um, I, I just thought Dallas offensive line really protected the pass well, and then again, I, I, I can give nothing but A's offensively all, all the way around. I mean, coaches, I thought, you know, Skip Pete and running backs that did, did a hell of a job, receivers held a job, Joe Philbin, what he did with the offensive line. I mean, guys, if this is the team that if, – if they can play this way, uh, you know, to, for three more weeks, this team absolutely could win, could win it all. Now, we've also seen them – you know, the other side of it. But when you look at tonight and when how you look at how they kind of went to Tampa, it really felt like when you were watching those guys get loose in the pregame, I mean, it felt like they were there. It was a business trip. And we heard all this. Well, the Cowboys are not as good on grass as they are on turf. Or they're, 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 they're wearing their royal blue jerseys in Tampa Bay. Hey, they kicked the crap out of that team offensively and and what they did uh was just continue to give the quarterback uh protection and and it, it was impressive to watch I, I i can't say enough about how unbelievably poised it looked like the quarterback was receivers were making plays offensive line was blocking and the backs were running hard and getting you those tough one and two yard runs yeah, it was um, <clears throat> it was really something to see, and you know, at some point, I kind of thought to myself, sometimes an eight and nine team plays like an eight and nine team, and it, but the Cowboys took it to them. That's what you have to do, and uh, stretch first road uh, playoff win in thirty years. I think it'll be thirty years tomorrow. What a what a remarkable night for the Cowboys, and what a big moment in the career of Dak Prescott. He needed this. He got this, and, it, and this won't define him forever or anything. But at least it it, it really gives him um, uh, some some success to to build on. And I think it's a uh, I think it's a great thing for him. And uh, like you said, the coaching staff, everybody involved. This win really restored some of the credibility that as you were starting to doubt this team down the stretch. Okay, so now they got to turn around and play San Francisco. That'll be tough. But stretch the defensive performance. Um, You know, we talk about how the Cowboys almost always lose if Dak has to throw the ball around 50 times or something like that. I mean, at one point I thought Brady was going to end up with like 70 attempts. He did end up with 60 attempts or, or right around there. And he was completely, um, you know, they were challenging a lot of the throws. He was under duress. He was throwing short. He never could get comfortable. Some of that was because the rush was coming up the middle. Um, what did you make of, of the Cowboys' front to, to start with? And, and another, I think, standout performance by Micah Parsons. You know, I'm going to start by saying this, and I, I don't know that I've I'm not sure that I've seen this in a while. I saw a Dallas defense that was knocking the deputy dog SHIT out of that group. I mean, they were, it was physical. They were physical tackling. They were physical going at these guys. 
it was really about as physical a performance as I've seen a Dallas defense play with in a long time. And I'm talking about they were knocking the crap out of Tampa Bay. I mean, they were – I'm talking about laying out and really drilling guys. And I thought that was as impressive as anything I've seen in, in a very long time. And, and you think, you know, uh, when, when you look initially at it, well, you know, Gallimore, they, he was inactive. Uh, also, they had uh, – Bohanna. Uh, yeah, Bohanna was inactive. So they were playing – they're playing Watkins. They were playing Odigizua. I mean, and they were flying around. And when I'm saying flying around, I'm talking about to the Mike linebacker. I mean, he is a difference maker big time. Vanderesh, with what he can do in the box, with how he sees things tonight, he played very well in coverage. I mean, he opened his hips, he got into zones, he almost got two picks. Uh, obviously, curse. Uh, I, it was kind of a little bit. He tweaked his knee right there at the end of the game, or towards the end of the game, and I hate. I hated to see that. But this secondary, Hooker, Wilson, they will knock your ass off. And when you see how that mentality is infectious for a defense, I really thought defensively as good a game plan as I've seen from Dan Quinn. I mean, they were putting pressure. They were covering guys. They were playing with the correct leverage. They were keeping guys from running, you know, really taking away a lot of those inside slants and those type of things, which for Brady are easy throws. I'm going to tell you my concerning part is, is that I like Bland, uh, I, I do think he is he is going to be a a really good player, but I I'm not sure about Xavier Rhodes. When I saw Mike Evans just run by him late in the game, when you knew that was exactly what they were going to do, uh, that that was a little concerning to me, and it's real concerning uh, going into next week. But when you think about how this team played. When you think about how they were getting after the quarterback, when you were looking at their blitz packages and how linebackers were really attacking, uh, wrong shoulder attacking their blitz pickups by their backs, it, it was it was really impressive. I mean, I I give the Dallas Cowboy defense absolutely an A across the board with everything they did. Do I have some concerns? I do. I'm still concerned with the matchup. Um, with with a third corner, but for tonight and what you saw them do to Tom Brady and arguably the best, greatest quarterback of all time, it, it was very impressive. And I thought that uh, Parsons he 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 played with that he he played with that edge again. You saw he he tried to get in their huddle about the third <laughs> series, and you know, it, 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 and when you see guys kind of having fun like that, he was kind of laughing about it. When you see guys having fun like that, to me, uh, it is absolutely infectious. And so, to Dan Quinn and to his defensive mm-hmm. staff, to Kellen Moore to his offensive staff. Yeah. I'm telling you, a really well put together game plan. You know, to your point about the physicality 
I, I kept noticing one per- player in particular for Tampa, Godwin, number 14, the receiver. Like, you could just tell he was miserable out there. Like, even when they made the rare catch, Wilson or somebody was just lighting them up, and and it really started to take its toll on that team. And and there, I, he, he caught a and Matt he caught a shallow early in the game, and I mean, bar ragdolled him. I mean, just yanked him down. And really, it was like one of those things where it looked like he was going to buckle his legs up underneath it. I mean, yanked him down, and 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 I'm just like, okay, this is. This is the kind of thing that you want to see with a Dallas defense, and you can tell that there is no doubt in my mind Dan Quinn challenged this defense, and that's exactly what you got. Well, it's um, and and mostly positive tonight. Big win for the uh, Cowboys as thirty-one uh, fourteen there in Tampa as they advance to play San Francisco. One negative. There's always it can never be completely clean with these cowboys, right? And you had one of the most amazing scenes, and and I was glad. Um, Stretch, I turned it over there to see what Eli and Peyton were up to, and <laughs> on the third missed extra point of the first half, Peyton jumps up and starts hollering like, "Why are we kicking? Why are we still kicking?" And I think everybody was thinking that whip. When are you just going to go for two? And uh, we finally found out after the fourth consecutive missed extra point when when it was twenty four to nothing. Uh, at some point, they they were they get down there and it should have they should have you know probably been going for the field goal to make it twenty seven to six. Dan or uh, uh, McCarthy decides to go for it, and then of course that's when they got that last touchdown to make it thirty-one-six. Stretch. This was funny tonight because it was a blowout, but it's also hugely concerning that you have this kicker who suddenly has the yips and can't make an extra point. Oh, there's, there's no doubt about it. I mean, and when you saw him push the first two, and then you you mentioned it like a golfer. It was almost like he hooded the golf club, and then, I mean, just, just – I almost missed the ball and yanked it dead left. You just go – you feel sorry for him. I mean, you really do. And this is a guy that I don't think you expect that from. I certainly didn't expect that from him. And, you know, you're trying to get him some confidence because I want to tell you something. When you're going on a short week like you are here, they're not going to get in here till 3.30 or 4 in the morning. It isn't like you can just start – calling guys up to say, hey, come in here and try out. And when you put that mentality in your kicker's head, it's such a – I mean, it's it's such a mental thing anyway. So, I mean, to see Brett Maher go through that, it, it was, I was hurting for him because I'm sitting there with Joe Trahan and I thought, you know, I think I could put on one of those old Rydell square toes and hit one out of three. I really do think I could still do that. You're just like – Holy cow, he can't just he can't just bunt it through there. And so, you know, I felt bad for him. And 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 obviously, I mean, you look at you look at Bones Fossil and he you know, he had his about eight wristbands on. And I mean, he didn't he didn't know whether to crap or go blind either. So it was a that was a tough deal. I like imagining you in one of those square toes, kind of a Tom Dempsey style uh shoe. <laughs> 
from back in the day. I'd like to see you take a go at one of those things. But you're right, he couldn't get that through, and they got to get this fixed. And Aikman on the uh, broadcast basically said they may be looking for a kicker this week. McCarthy has uh, said that everything's going to be okay on that front. Uh, you know, they, they need this kicker to get right, and he's going to try to show belief in him. But, boy, that is scary going into that San Francisco game. Last thing, Stretch, I mean, you've been in the playoffs. You've been uh, on the staff for Super Bowl wins, and and uh, you've been around this thing uh, and, and have seen this thing uh, go through a lot of things. But now, this is fascinating. Cowboys on a short week play a team that gets to stay home and and honestly gets kind of what I mean they get a, a two days extra more than the Cowboys do so um does does that play a role in this thing or is it just hey it's the playoffs gutted up this thing this thing will be even Steven kind of deal no I, I do think that that I mean they do have an advantage from a health standpoint and you got to hope that Mike McCarthy, the trainers, you know, they get back in here, get those guys in the hot tub. I mean, they're going to have the day off, obviously, tomorrow, and they'll get in their routine. But it, it, there's no question San Francisco's got a little bit uh, of an advantage. I'm going to tell you this. I really felt like in my heart of hearts that the Cowboys could beat Tampa Bay. They'll, they'll, they'll go on the road and, and get after the 49ers, and I – fully anticipate that happening Sunday. I think you're going to see a team go lay it on the line. It's almost like they've had this, this you know, this big weight lifted off of their back, yeah. including the quarterback. I mean, I could see this team going to San Francisco and getting after Brock Purdy, and, and I think it's going to be a heck of a matchup. Yeah. I mean, uh, let's let's just be honest about it. As impressive as, as Purdy has been, and he's like six and zero as a starter. He's still the most, you know, he's way less experienced than Dak Prescott in this game. And they have a lot of firepower, but the Cowboys have firepower too. So this is going to be, uh, and and the Cowboys have Dan Quinn and a defense that can get after a young quarterback and maybe showing some things he has not seen. You know, it, it's I, I it's it's still hard to to fly through the playoffs when it's your first time to do this. All right, stretch. Really good stuff. Also, good TV work from you down there. I know they hit some really neat stuff in Frisco at the Concrete Cowboy. I went in there one night to watch an NBA game with somebody out there near the star, and and uh, I almost got my heart off rhythm by some of the bass that they had in that place. That's a that's a place that uh, that's what you call a nightclub. I believe that. I believe that is the right definition, Mosley. And 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 you know you can go in there and. Check the place to have a have a Miller Lite, Mosley. What are you doing to that mop of yours? Good gracious. God, Mosley is sitting here curling his hair as I'm finishing my segment. Oh, and he, yeah. I'm going to tell you what, Mosley, <laughs> gee, many Christmas, you look like a mutt. We've had our last Miller Lite of the season, and we want to thank Miller Lite for being a great sponsor this season. And, Stretch, we appreciate you. We're not going to do a doomsday next week. No, I'm just kidding. We're, we'll, have, <laughs> we'll be ready. I'm going to do a doomsday because you've got an appointment with Jose Hebert. Go get your damn haircut, Mosley. Oh, man. I'll do it. I'll do it. Love Joe, Jose uh, Hebert. Isn't that Diddy quarterback the – <laughs> the Saints back in the day. All right, Stretch, all my best. Good night.
to and thank you for stretch plays with Glenn Stretch Smith. And Ed, I thought you would like that that stretch for some reason on a night you and I were we were just paraphrasing people, um, but on a night uh, or repeating uh, that we use foul language, uh, stretch spelled out the S word for some reason he couldn't couldn't bring himself to do it so he was I thought he would he really cleaned it up and classed up the joint all right it is uh 31 14 Cowboys win super wild card weekend Ed there was some great action I know you enjoyed watching all the games uh we all did I mean there was one game that ended up being a little bit of a runaway but everything else was a really good game and even that game was uh was very close headed to the fourth quarter uh, and um, so th- th- there's a lot, and I think the the only thing, Ed, is this thing could have done a monstrous number for ESPN. I think it, it probably still did, but the fact that it turned into a blowout, uh, ES, this is what everybody wanted. Everybody would have died to have this particular game, and ESPN's commitment to Joe and Troy and I think you gave uh, Jimmy Pitaro some credit, but uh, it, that, this was a big deal, getting the Cowboys and Bucks and what could be Tom Brady's last game. Ed, I, I think we saw a lot of possible scenarios. I just don't think we saw just a complete blowout where Dak just ran circles around Tom Brady. <laughs> Well, I, you know, and I was telling, talking to people before the game, everybody always asks you, so what do you think is going to happen? And, and I'm like, you know, I mean, you got a, we got a 12-win team against an 8-win team. We know what should happen, and yet the Cowboys just haven't demonstrated they're worthy of our trust in a, in a game of this magnitude in the postseason. You know, not this group of coaches and players. Uh, maybe now they'll begin to earn some of that. Um, but there was there was all kinds of reasons to doubt how Dallas would play, given you know they'd lost four games, four of their five defeats had come uh, on grass outdoors, and all but the Philly game of those was uh, against an inferior opponent, which the which the Bucks certainly were and and proved to be. But you know ultimately, it seems like to me the Cowboys played the way they did most of the season, and so did the Bucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it kind of. It, it, that's the way it, it it played out in the end. Now, Ed, the uh, Cowboys now uh, have to turn around in a short week, and obviously, San Francisco is going to get to stay home, uh, which they earned, by the way, and they're going to have a basically a couple of extra days of rest um, as this thing starts to set up. In some ways, as great as Brock Purdy has been. That should be an advantage to Dan Quinn. I mean, the Cowboys go in there with a veteran quarterback, uh, has to feel extremely confident coming in a, a huge game on the road against Tampa Bay. And, uh, again, Brock Purdy, and I've seen him forever playing for Iowa State, never thought in a million years he was the last pick of the draft. He was uh, Mr. Irrelevant, and and yet he's been superb <coughs> for the 49ers. But, Ed, I have, I have to think the Cowboys will come into this game with a lot of confidence, and part of it is how well the defense played, and I think as great as Purdy has looked, this is going to be a tough spot for him. I, I think there are some things the Cowboys uh, can do to make life difficult for him. Well, um, going on the road on a short week when the 49ers have extra time to prepare and, and given what a physical team that they are, probably the most physical team in the league, 
you know, the, and, and certainly the Cowboys feel like they owe them one. You know, they, they still feel the hurt from San Francisco coming to Dallas and ending their season prematurely last year. In fact, Dak was asked about it this week. If, if he still uses that as motivation, and he said, damn right, damn right I do. Um, but I know that Dak even likes the Brock Purdy story. Like, I think he sees a little of himself in that, you know, back when he was in 2016 and took over for an injured starting quarterback and, and led his team, you know, to the playoffs and a division title by winning 11 consecutive games. I think he, I, th- I think he loves that story. He likes that about uh, Brock Purdy, a guy who took advantage of his opportunity when nobody really expected him to excel. Um, but like we, we talked about, you know, the, the 49ers, you know, George Kittle, probably the best run after catch tight end in football right now. Maybe Travis Kelsey's better, um, but he's in the he's in the top two or three. And Debo Samuel, the Cowboys won't soon forget what he did to them last year. And now they've got Christian McCaffrey, uh, and they're the hottest team in football. They won eleven straight games. They haven't lost since they since they acquired Christian McCaffrey. So uh, it, it's a big challenge, I think, for for Dallas. But I think one that they embrace because of what happened last year. And, and maybe now they feel a little, they're a little more convinced themselves that they're capable of going out on the road in the postseason against quality opponents and winning games based on having done so tonight against not really a great quality opponent. The 49ers are several times better than, than what they played tonight. Yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> and I'm curious to see what the line's going to be on this game I think it's four and a half to start. Uh, oh, okay. It opens at four and a half. I was going to guess somewhere around there. Uh, of course, people love betting the Cowboys, so that could move the line. And, uh, and Ed, I'm sure you will be in position as always. Who knows? Maybe the whole Doomsday Podcast group will just show up there in San Francisco. This is what? a. I know. I know. Things could get crazy. This is a 5.30 Central Time kickoff uh sunday afternoon and uh boy this is gonna be this is gonna be so much fun ed a little trivia for you do you know the last event ever held at a place where well we both went over the years and you've been a little bit more than in fact you were there for some very historic games back in the day the last event held at candlestick was a concert can you name the performer prince Paul McCartney, August oh, okay. 2014, and the demolition happened in 2015, and then Levi Stadium came into play. Well, that was one. That was sort of. I don't know if it. I guess it was a home field advantage. That was. You remember how messy that field could get? Mm-hmm. And what was that guy's name? The famous uh, George, George Toma, the sod oh, god. Man. Well, I did. I, I did look. I did look at the forecast. You know, they've had uh, you know biblical rains out in in California this year and in the past few weeks, one storm after another coming through. But the forecast is actually for uh, relatively dry weather and temperatures close to sixty on Sunday. So mm. the Cowboys might get some weather much like they experienced here. But again, they have to go play on grass again. So here we go. All right, Ed, watch out for the uh, those mudslides, by the way. Those things are really scary when they kind of come through there. And I've noticed people like filming them. I'm always like, get out of there. Stop filming all those those mudslides. Ed, it's also a drink, I'm, I'm told. It's a, some form of alcoholic drink, a mudslide. 
you might try one of those someday. I'll look into that with uh, some Kahlua. If I, if I ever get done working while a bar's still open, I'll try it. <laughs> Ed, let's see. Where are you right now? It's uh, East Coast 204. 204. We, we wrapped it up extremely efficient this evening. Ed, tremendous work by you. You were out there since about noon Eastern time, just doing all kinds of hits. We've enjoyed your coverage throughout the game, then on Twitter, and, of course, most importantly, on the Doomsday Podcast. Now we will edit. Um, Frito and I will sit here and edit all of this, put it together, and then everybody can have that in the morning. Frito's smiling as I say that. Uh, for Mark Frito Friedman and Ed Werder, I'm Matt Mosley. Good night from far north Dallas. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.